Hello, 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 and welcome to the Greater Is In Me podcast, where each episode is intended to inform, inspire, and influence listeners to fulfill the greatness that exists within. I am your host, P. Sloan Joseph. This podcast is all about my reflections and revelations as a wife, mother, and educator. During our time together, I hope you will learn something from my stories and laugh a little along the way. Stay tuned for today's message. Thank you for tuning in to episode 36 entitled Putting Out Fires. There's a popular saying in my community, it takes a village to raise a child. My son Jeffrey has a large village, which includes myself and my husband, Mark. Um, Jeffrey has five grandparents. He has a ton of aunts and uncles and cousins. Um, Mark and I have friends and loved ones that are a part of um, Jeffrey's village. And right now, two new people in our village would be Coach Williams, who is Jeffrey's basketball coach, and Dr. Des Mangles, who is his fifth grade teacher. And all of these people have an influence on how Jeffrey sees himself and what he believes he can accomplish now and in the future. Another quote says, it's hard to be what you don't see. I like this quote um, because it doesn't say that it's impossible, but it does say that it's hard. Jeffrey sees my husband and I reading books, so he reads books. He's in the car with us when we are listening to talk radio or listening to podcasts. So as a result of that, he wants to dis- to discuss current events. And he can do it pretty well for a fifth grader, to be honest with you. Um, he's also heard my vocals and seen my dance moves. And he therefore thinks that he can out-sing and out-dance me. But um, let's be honest, I am hands down the best dancer and the best singer in my household period end of sentence no further discussion needed now do my husband and Jeffrey believe that no and the battle dances and the sing-offs that we have in this house y'all is a mess but anyway back to my point Mark, um, Mark recently um, went to vote and he took Jeffrey with him. And so that's something that Jeffrey has experienced. And so that's something that he now looks forward to doing when he gets older. Um, my husband works as, um, he's a public speaker and an educational um, advocate at Clemson University. And so when it's possible, he takes Jeffrey to work with him and Jeffrey's able to see him um, facilitate PD, Um, He gets a chance to see him, you know, meet people, um, work in a professional office, all of the things that um, my husband has to do on a day-to-day basis. So whenever Jeffrey can go to these events or go to work with Mark, he takes him. And so that's something that he strives to be. He sees us getting up and going to work every day. And so that's something that he knows that he has to do. We talked to him about school being his job. And so he gets up and he takes that very seriously. Um, We make sure that we surround him by professional, educated people, specifically professional and college-educated Black people, 
that um, have a variety of jobs, bankers, um, STEAM professionals, entrepreneurs, educators. And all of these people we're very selective about because we want him to know that it's not okay just to be a smart person, to be a professional and college educated person, but you also need to be kind and compassionate and have humor and give back to your community. All of those things that our family and our friends and our loved ones are. And I wanna make sure that I clarify that professional does not mean college educated because we do have friends who we do consider to be professionals and they're not college educated because I think sometimes we put too much of an emphasis that um, students have to go to college to be successful and that's not the truth. So anyway, because he sees these types of people in his everyday life, he then strives to be that type of person when he grows up. Again, it's hard to be what you don't see And if you're teaching black and brown kids, how do they see themselves in your school and in your class? I know we have enough white educators. I know we have enough female educators. And at the middle and high school level, we have enough male educators, specifically white male educators. So where are students of color seeing black and brown men and women? When we go, when we see our kids at school, How do they see us? What are they seeing that is a reflection of who they are and who they can be? Now, if you're saying to yourself, well, we have black and brown people um, in our school. Okay, so let's break it down. What are their roles? Are they counselors, administrators, classroom teachers, um, the ISS coordinator, and that means in-school suspension, behavioral specialist, front office, staff, custodians, food and nutrition? Does your adult population mirror your student population when it comes to diversity? And if your staff is not diverse, currently there's nothing you can do about it because you're in the middle of the school year, right? So there's nothing you can do about bringing people into the building and hiring them to be on your staff, but this is what you can do. You can make sure that you have guest speakers that reflect diversity as it relates to race and it relates to gender whether you do that live or virtually depending on whatever you know your school protocol is right now be mindful of that another thing to be mindful of is when you're doing instructional videos who is the expert is that person a person of color is it a female because that's another way if you cannot right now make your Um, staff population more diverse guest speakers and instructional videos those are two ways that you can that you can allow your students of color to see themselves in the classroom they can see what they can be now and in the future because they need to see that they are more than enslaved people criminals entertainers and athletes if we want them to aspire to be more than criminals, entertainers, and athletes, they have to see what they can be. Now, while guest speakers and instructional videos with black and brown experts are temporary fixes, I wanna make sure that we don't settle and stop there. You and your leadership team need to actively recruit, hire, and support black educators to be a part of your staff. Again, let me say that again. Actively recruit, hire, and support, and this is what you do. When you get off of this podcast, you go to your search engine and you look up HBCU. 
historically black colleges and universities. You will see a full list and you can find it by state where you will be able to find black and brown college students who are ready to learn and willing to work. Black and brown educators are not monolithic, so they will be able to bring a variety of experiences and perspectives that will not only be an asset to their students, regardless of color, but it's also going to be an asset to your staff. I know because I am a product of an HEBCU. I attended South Carolina State University in Orangeburg, South Carolina. My husband attended Claflin University. My father also went to South Carolina State University and he is a retired engineer. He is currently an entrepreneur, but that's another story for another day. (laughs) My older sister, she's an informational technology analyst for the healthcare system in Charlotte, North Carolina. She also attended South Carolina State University. My younger sister, who is a district level specialist in Charleston, South Carolina, also graduated from South Carolina State University. And many of my friends and family members who work in various industries attended HBCUs. One of my favorite movies is Black Panther. When you hear someone talk about this movie, you immediately start to think about T'Challa played by the late, great Chadwick Boseman. But for the sake of this episode, let's focus on Eric Killmonger played by Michael B. Jordan. When I think of Killmonger, it makes me think of this quote. The child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. Killmonger felt unloved, unwanted, and disconnected from his family in Wakanda. And as a result, he was full of rage and greed and this hunger for revenge. And he literally ordered that the garden that produced the herb that gave T'Challa power be completely burned. How many of us have our own version of Killmonger in our homes and in our schools? And what are we gonna do to show that child that they are loved and wanted and connected? Are we, are we focused on their behavior or are we focused on the reasons for the behavior? Now, I've talked about this in past episodes, but I'm gonna review again for those of you that are new. Some of the common reasons would be ACEs, those adverse childhood experiences, abuse, homelessness, incarceration of a parent or loved one, the death of a parent or loved one. They're um, hungry. They have mental health issues, um, feelings of, again, being unwanted, unwelcomed, and hormones. They're going through all of these hormonal changes. So those are the easy ones for us to consider, but I want us to dig a little bit deeper because that's what we do every episode, right? Have you considered how the following are contributing to their desire to burn down the village? Mistrust of adults. Feeling unsupported by adults and peers. Being subjected to microaggressions by adults and peers. Being subjected to implicit bias by adults and peers. Being subjected to culturally insensitive curriculum, rules, policies, and consequences. Their experience of racism both in and out of school where they just don't get a break from it at all. And studies have shown how this impact of racism impacts the overall health of black, indigenous, and people of color. And that includes our students. So how do we begin to embrace our kids with our, and our children who want to burn down the village? This is a very, very deep subject. And so for the sake of time, I'm only going to give you three that I think are really practical. Number one, let's greet them. When we greet them, that acknowledges their existence. But how we greet them shows them that we value their existence. And so we need to do that with enthusiasm. 
when they wake up in the morning, when you pick them up from school, when they come home from school, when they enter your classroom and your school, greet them and greet them with enthusiasm. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be fake and act like every day is perfect. They need to see that we have emotions, we have highs and lows, but they also need to see that we can model how you push through those things that aren't perfect. And so with your children at home, let them know I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I had a bad day, but I am happy to see you. And with your students at school, tell them I'm not feeling well today, the last class really let me down, but I'm happy you're here. Number two, set expectations and then support them in meeting those expectations. Correct them when they're wrong, but congratulate them when they are doing well. And that could happen in the same period and in the same day. So example, they're late to class. You need to address that. You need to correct that because what you don't address will become a mess. However, in that same class period, if they're answering questions, turning in assignments, helping their peers, congratulate them. You need to create that balance. That lets them know that you're fair and that you're not playing favorites favorites and that you're not holding grudges and that's going to allow them to respect you in my experience even if a student doesn't like you or your subject if they respect you they will still learn from you racism and implicit bias can cause an imbalance in this area lowered expectations prejudgment of certain groups of students behaviors um, inconsistent implementation of consequences and I know I'm about to sound like Bobby Boucher from the waterboard, but my mama says grown people do exactly what grown people want to do. And it's time out for excuses. As a society, we have to access this information and we have access to this information. The internet, webinars, hard copies of books, ebooks, podcasts. Find a way, do the work, and make the progress. And then number three, listen. There's a teacher at my school named Mr. Dean. He's actually a mentee of mine. He took over my position when I moved into my new position. Um, And we have this program at our school called CKH, Capturing Kids' Hearts. And he is a Capturing Kids' Hearts champion, which means that he does it in a way where he is a leader in our school. And what Mr. Dean does is he invests the time because he knows that if he invests the time, he won't have to spend the time. So let me explain that. He invests the time in his students. He takes time to talk them through their mistakes and their emotions and what are the next steps. Um, He gives them a balance of patience, discipline, and grace. Because he spends that first five or 10 minutes of class doing good things, which is where students kind of, they talk about the good things that are going well in their lives. They talk about their loved ones and things that just aren't necessarily related to school. He makes that connection with them. Not only does he let them talk and not only is he listening, but he requires that the other kids kids listen as well. He'll ask follow-up questions and allow the other students to ask follow-up questions. And then he'll ask them about certain things later on just to follow up and see about their football game or their cheerleading or just whatever they were talking about. And because he invests the time, the kids are more engaged and he doesn't have to spend as much time dealing with negative behaviors, calling parents and writing referrals. Now, does Mr. Dean have 100% on board? No, but he does have a lot better than most because he's willing to invest the time so that he doesn't have to spend the time. 
Everyone wants to feel wanted, connected, loved, and appreciated. Let's reflect on how we can protect our village by nurturing the people in our village. I've talked about our kids and our students, but this also transfers to our spouses, our partners, our family members, our fellow educators at school. We need to show enthusiasm when we greet them. We need to have high expectations and support those expectations, and we need to listen. Before I go, I want to recommend two books. If you have young children, check out King of Kindergarten by Derek Barnes and illustrated by Vanessa Brantley Newton. And for young adults and adults, um, I think it would be, this book will be um, for both groups, young adults and adults. Punching the Air by E.B. Zaboy and Dr. Yusuf Salam, who is one of the Exonerated Five, which was highlighted in the story by Ava DuVernay, When They See Us. I'd also like to invite you to follow um, a Twitter account at breathe underscore edu. We have a Twitter chat every second and fourth Thursday. We only have two more um, this year just because of holidays that fall on Thursday. So we have uh, November the 12th and December the 10th, and it's always centered around discussions about creating racially inclusive and equitable learning environments for students, their families, and educators of color. So like I tell you every episode, number one, remember to like, share, and subscribe. I'm on Instagram at greaterisinme underscore and on Twitter at P Sloan Joseph. That's P-S-L-O-A-N Joseph. Number two, show yourself some love by giving yourself some grace. When you give yourself some grace, turn around and give it to someone else. And then make sure that you take time each and every day to reflect and reaffirm yourself by saying greater is in me.